0: And he wound down the window, I had my uh, headphones in, and I could see he was shouting something. Oh, what the fuck is going And he was looking directly at me. And he says, uh, is this Shirley, Shirley Road, Shirley High Street? And I yeah. Like, where's the RSPCA? About 300, 300 yards up on the right-hand side. But I said to myself, there's five other people here. Why did he have to single me out? What is it about me that made me look like I'd know where the RSPCA is... As opposed to any of the other members of the uh, bus queue I was in, and it was definitely he definitely singled me out
1: you look um you you look like you care about animals. <laughs>
0: I do, I do I like dogs very much? I um, I was pleased to get out today. I was uh, had the radio on, and uh, during the day I liked Radio Four. I quite enjoy. I've I've come to quite enjoy Women's Hour. You like to listen to the radio? Yeah. <laughs> and it's an 80s uh, song. Today on a uh, Women's Hour, they were recapping from uh, uh, a show that was on yesterday. It was a debate, and and the the premise of the debate was: Does porn empower women? No, oh, I saw someone responding to that, and they were um, they were talking at great length about porn, and you had various people phoning in with their experience of it. One person who'd got into porn when she was eighteen, in, ter- in terms of performing, and she felt she was now unable to to um, create meaningful relationships. Men didn't want to know her, apparently. Um, other people who phoned in with more positive experiences, and men who were phoning in with with mainly negative. Mainly negative stories, mm-hmm. um, and so it was an interesting, relatively wide-ranging and varied debate. But the whole time I was listening to it, I was thinking, so of course, do you know, I fancy looking at some porn?" I, I didn't, mm-hmm. but um, I'm not sure that was the purpose of the <laughs> debate about porn. Was to make me want? I turned it off on the end because I'm like, I don't want to watch porn today. I've got no, I don't want to. I don't want to get horny and frustrated. There's no point.
1: Yeah, the porn thing. I don't, I don't think I'd have... Because I learned mainly how to have sex from erotica and from doing it yeah. uh, with people who probably knew about as much about it as I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd have even considered changing things up a bit mid-flow if it wasn't for porn. Okay. That's the thing I've really learned. I don't... I, the... Oh,
0: the uh, var- yeah I suppose. Variety. Yeah. It's nice to keep moving. I reckon um, any more than 10, 15 minutes in a single... In a single position, you need to change up. There should be a little bell, shouldn't there? Ding! Time to change up. Are you trying to hurt me
1: when you say stuff like that?
0: No, but we talk about um, how you impacted my sex life this weekend.
1: Uh, you mean differently than I normally do. Yeah. The uh, yeah the we we watched the first episode of a show called Backstrom this week, and we like our uh, we like our Cantankerous. It's a it's a cop show. Okay. We like our Cantankerous uh procedural with a gimmick shows it's basically house yeah. but if he were a cop um and he's played by rain wilson and from the office yes and he's he's pretty good the first episode uh, there are problems with the first couple of episodes that we've seen there's lots of there's lots of nice things in the script and lots of nice things in the performances yeah. and it seems like it might be uh, interesting Uh, long term but in the first couple of episodes it tries really really hard like uh, the good thing about House was that although he was a narcissist and a nihilist Mm. and a very negative kind of guy he was never the writing on him was never dumb and the show itself quite often supported his world view but uh th- there was also a weird th- there was al- almost a sort of an equalizing uh th- the ne- there's that that it's a bit of a cliche but you know he's not a racist or a sexist he just hates everyone equally sort of thing oh that's all right then but but there there was a but there was a smartness to that attitude they never voiced that that was what was going on and the, <laughs> the, the yeah, th- he was a
0: doctor oh the the irony
1: but the thing in the uh, the thing in the first couple of episodes back from a they keep pointing out that the show keeps pointing out that he's a bit of an asshole, mm. like to the extent that that people voice yeah. their interpretations of him all the time, and he voices how much of an asshole he is and how he doesn't care, and and so rather than his worldview coming out through what's happening mm. um, in the show. And through what he's saying in the show, he keeps also voicing his Mm -hmm. worldview. So that's a bit, it's like the pilot episode, especially they're like trying really hard to make their point. But the thing that I had, I, and it's not the sort of thing that would stop me watching a show. And admittedly, it's not entirely rare in mainstream, in mainstream entertainment. Mm -hmm. But in the first episode, the treatment of, sex workers through the character of a stripper in it Uh is so far in the direction of being wrong that like uh my wife amy doesn't tend to see things as politically as i do and sometimes i think she'd rather i just especially when uh, they're dealing with the internet and uh, cyber crimes Mm in shows like Criminal Minds and stuff, she knows that the second that's going to be the subject, that there's going to be lots of eye-rolling and tutting from me, and that's going to spoil her enjoyment of it. I
0: think we both have wives who'd rather their husbands didn't see the political in everything. Yeah, um,
1: but they have they have this situation where both Backstrom, the main character, Backstrom does this thing... It's a horrible name, by the way. It is, yeah.
0: With apologies yeah. to anyone listening who's called Backstrom, but it's it's really... I think it's based on a series of books, but it's kind of don't you think it's kind of um, sounds made up? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just a bit clumsy to say. My favourite series
1: of uh, my favourite series of thriller books mm. are written by Greg Rucker, and mm. the main character in those is called Atticus Kodiak. So I'm not going to pick,
0: but that's marvellous. <laughs> he's pushed it. He's taken yeah.
1: it. He's taken it just far enough. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's
0: not it's not ridiculous enough to be amazing, but it's not normal enough to be um like easily it's getting in my way listening to this because every time you say back, I'm I'm starting to get angry
1: it's uh, Atticus Kodiak is is the sort of name you'd give a fantasy bear though to yeah. be fair well i suppose whereas a uh, a little bit on the nose though isn't it? yeah yeah well, no exactly but uh so what, what they do is and what they used to do in house was he would say something completely objectionable and then about four or five different viewpoints would be represented by the people in his team, all of whom were smart and all of whom were written in such a way that their viewpoint could be considered equal mm. to his viewpoint. I mean, he normally wins out because mm-hmm. he's the genius at the center yeah. of the show. But in Backstrom, they have two points of view about strippers. Uh, one is his. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, – I can't remember exactly uh, what it was. But basically, there's his view, which is a conservative view. And then there's the his assistant which is supposed to kind of be the liberal view. Mm -hmm. But what he comes up with is... um, What he comes up with is... Can I guess? Yeah, go on.
0: Um, Is one of the views that they're um, they're victims that need to be rescued.
1: Yes. Excellent. The the liberal counter view Mm -hmm. is that. His view is that they hate men, and that's the only way they can get control of the men that they hate. And the problem I had with this isn't so much that it happens... But the story, spoiler warning if you're going to watch this, and this is the first episode. This isn't some Mm -hmm. random later episode where they get things wrong. The story actually bears out his point of view completely. Brilliant. (laughs) Now, that isn't how I see sex work or sex workers, really. And I guess that kind of ties into what you're saying about the porn thing, or Mm -hmm. one of the things you said about the porn thing. The main thing you were saying about the porn thing is it made you want to masturbate. No, it made me want to watch porn. Were you not going to masturbate? I've, I've told you
0: before, there is no point.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but, yeah, so... Because uh, I saw one of the uh, uh, porn actresses that I follow was commenting back to the Woman's Hour about that and about how that was not her experience. Was that it Storia? No, it was Ashley Vex. Okay. She's she's homegrown. She's British. I don't know that. Um, and she's really good. And... And she was saying that that isn't her experience at all. That actually, mm-hmm. by doing, by doing porn, uh, it's made her more open. And and actually, she's had the same. She's been in a relationship that she considers really healthy. That she considers she doesn't consider it. She that's me. That's mm-hmm. me being coded. She uh, that that she has been in a relationship for seven years that she doesn't feel that she could have been in, mm-hmm. like a healthy relationship that she doesn't feel that she could sure. have been in the way she was before. So. It's, it's one of those things where there are so many people in porn, mm-hmm. especially now that the internet opens this all up to... There are so many people in sex work and the internet mm-hmm. opens this up to uh, cam girls and stuff like that as well, that yeah, there are going to be damaged people in that area, yeah, the man. way there are in <clears throat> a lot of areas, yeah. and some of them are going to get worse because they're exploited, because damaged people get exploited mm-hmm. in every mm-hmm. field. And some of them are maybe gonna like find that through expressing themselves in whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. it happening to be like home, like homegrown mm-hmm. porn or whatever. Mm. I have to be careful though because I do follow a few. Um, there's, uh, I use TweetDeck. Okay. And I guess the main Twitter feed does this as well. It visual, like it actually shows you thumbnails and stuff in the. I use main Tweetbot, float.
0: but yeah, it does in
1: in Tweetbot. And there's a couple of um, th- there are a couple of uh, pornographers mm-hmm. who um, have have done lots of writing on on it in the past. Mm-hmm. People who make their own. Uh, there's a, a Anne Arrowsmith and there's a lady called Pandora Blake, who I who I got to know through them writing about mm-hmm. it. Specifically, Pandora Blake uh, specializes in. Like I guess spanking fetish oh. which i'm not really I 'm not really into at all, no. but obviously the intelligent the intelligent tweeting and writing and stuff that she shares in her Twitter stream it is mixed in with stuff where she 's promoting work that they do, including pictures, so I have to be quite careful when i'm looking at my main timeline uh, that and I'm in a public place that pictures of bottoms spanked bottoms mm. aren't coming up now I'm happy to I'm not not maybe on this episode I'm happy to go into detail about the stuff I like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be I'm being honest with you when I say that these I'm not these fetishes are not ones that I subscribe to personally so it's kind of uh, it is a little bit weird that the thing that's most likely to cause me embarrassment in public spaces is stuff that I'm not even really into Fair enough.
0: when so many things I am into could I, th- I think what troubles me when it comes to sex work is um, I get very uncomfortable with the way that the women who are sex workers um, are either victims or villains. And, and that makes me very uncomfortable because all of the negative aspects of sex work, it seems to me, are created by men and men's attitudes towards women. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what needs to be worked on rather than making um, the, the women who are in sex work The the villains of the piece, uh, because there almost certainly are victims in sex work, Mm. but I don't think you should demonise and and, um, vilify uh, women in that. It is a job at the end of Mm -hmm. the day, you know, and for some people it's a job that's been made with a with a a clear mind, uh, and it's something they've gone into. I think it's what what troubles me is how male expectation can at times it seems be led by um images of, of sex that you see on the internet or wherever. And th- that's a problem, I think. It, it, but it, that ties in quite nicely, I think, with I don't think young men are taught consent very well at all, either at, either at home or, or at school. I think it's quite positive. they were talking on the radio today that they're going to start teaching consent at the age of 11. Mm-hmm. I think consent and sexual education have to be taught exactly the same time. The first time you sit a group of kids down and say, you know, the penis goes in the vagina and a man ejaculates and, and, and that's it. But I think you should say uh, a man and a woman consent for... I, I think it has to be done at the same time. I think until we start teaching men, teaching boys, that that women don't exist solely for sexual gratification and it's a two way thing so sex should be sexually gratifying for both partners Mm -hmm. and I think some of the conversation I'm having on porn which I kind of agree with is what's tricky about a lot of porn is it's men doing to women Mm -hmm. it's not about women you know if you were to believe most mainstream porn women are orgasmic pretty much the whole way through sex because they're making sounds as though they're coming the whole way through uh, any given scene, which is, is not my experience. In my experience, being with a woman and uh, her achieving orgasm is a long and arduous labor. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, if anything's a problem, it's that. It, it's that the maybe um, certain aspects of, of porn and certain ex- aspects of sex work, some men just don't know quite how to behave in the real world after they've viewed something that's make-believe a, a a fiction
1: yeah i think uh the only thing uh the only thing when we talk about consent what we talk about when we talk about consent mm. um the only thing when we talk about consent that i not worry about but but notice notice happening a little bit and where i work in education i see this i'd although it's higher education not mm-hmm. not education of younger children
0: so the people we're talking to here are 18 years or over yeah
1: and i don't and i don't really teach them but the thing mm-hmm. i have noticed uh, in uh, among educators and among idealists and and stuff like that is that yeah i definitely think that that i definitely think that we should be teaching consent teaching about consent and all of the issues mm-hmm. around it at, at the same time as we start teaching children about sex the only thing i worry about is the fetishization of the word consent that you start to see happening a little bit which is and this is only really a side point doesn't really impact mm-hmm. on what you're what you're saying mm-hmm. that like um a, a a concept like that an important concept mm-hmm. like that it it should be it should be woven into the way we talk about mm. sex education and the way we talk about sex full stop. Mm-hmm. And the actual word consent and the mm-hmm. whole idea uh, ideals around it and it's become mm-hmm. this separate thing with a capital letter and quotation marks around it that it's really easy for that sort of thing to become a tick box in education where they'll do their 10 minutes on consent in in the first session mm-hmm. that they... I'm not saying this is what's happening. Do you
0: not think, though, when... Um Something becomes an issue. Now, clearly, consent is something that's not been taught in sex education very well, and and in society at large, uh, sorry, in, in in society at large, it, it hasn't really been something that's been discussed. Mm-hmm. Do you not think, though, that that's how issues evolve? That it starts off as a headline, and it sort of gets a little bit ticked, but but it, it's to force people to start talking about it, so it then becomes part of the fabric of conversation, and then becomes normalised i don't know further along because it's it's definitely an issue i don't know because because certainly with things like because say how about safe sex okay i I use that as an example for what i'm saying back in the 80s safe sex massive safe sex issue and you're always when you talked about sex you're always talking about safe sex Mm -hmm. first but now it seems to become woven into the fabric of the conversation that people have about sex so to me that that kind of feels like the same as where we are with consent that it's what everyone's talking about and you're right some people will be you know mm-hmm. feel like they're, they're having to tick a box to do my 10 minutes but you need that to start with to force people to actually bring it into the conversation to start with and then it starts
1: to maybe i mean i'm i'm not sure that's necessarily where cultural change comes from but it it's definitely one of the... It can be one of the contributing factors. But I think about race... But cultural change
0: only happens... Sorry, but cultural change only happens further down the line when it becomes normalised.
1: Yeah, but that's what I mean. I'm not sure sure how much once things become box-ticking exercises, I'm not sure that that necessarily always leads to normalising because we talk about safe sex. Mm. And sure, we feel like it's something that's Mm. talked about a lot. But things like teen pregnancy things like mm-hmm. spreading of venereal diseases it mm. doesn't seem to have gone away
0: no and and i think um, th- this stuff starting to be being part of the conversation doesn't stop bad behavior yeah but it it's still part of the conversation isn't
1: it yeah but it's uh, it's not part of the yeah. culture talking about
0: consent won't stop rape
1: no but it it doesn't become part of the culture until mm-hmm. it it become it could become part of the teaching culture mm. but it doesn't actually become part of the culture until <laughs> fewer people uh until fewer teens are getting pregnant and Mm. fewer venereal diseases are getting spread and stuff like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so um we know how to make things part of a teaching culture Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily know how much of an impact Mm -hmm. that has on culture culture Mm -hmm. and it definitely has some impact but i and i guess i guess what i'm what i'm noticing really is when you put teachers in charge of things when you put people in charge of things like sex education and they are the sort of people who don't really understand the issues they're Mm -hmm. passing on it's just that they're the person who's ended up doing Mm -hmm. the sex education so that's when it becomes well we'll talk about consent a little bit but it won't be woven in we'll talk about Mm -hmm. safe sex by sticking a condom on a banana and you'll all laugh Mm -hmm. and then you won't use do you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. i guess what i'm talking about is we need uh, we we need to be looking at making better teachers not necessarily Mm -hmm. telling them what to teach i don't know what i 'm talking about at this point no i think I think that you're right that that consent needs to be mm-hmm. part of just part of how we bring up kids and part mm-hmm. of how we teach them and stuff yeah and, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just concerned about the fetishization
0: of certain terms and stuff but, but there in therein lies the problem is how do you affect social change and you say well better teachers, but surely i I look at the way the curriculum is constructed, and it is a box ticking exercise Mm, you have to teach x y and z for a certain amount of time um and that's kind of um that argument as well and i I know this won't be your intent but the argument in terms of having better educators well i'm i'm not sure that that sort of stuff necessarily need should be dealt with wholly at school they they should there should be some i you know i i I don't mind school going through um the biology of it all Mm. But the emotional side of it—that's what your family should be there. That's as and as parents coming back round to um, us, I guess—is that's kind of what we should be doing. You know, we should be teaching—not not not their current age, obviously—but and we've I, spoken about it at length before. Yeah, I think I might have misunderstood. I thought we were talking about in the classroom. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I also feel a little bit bad because that sounds like I'm throwing teachers under the bus. What happens is an awful lot of good, an awful lot of people who. Could be good teachers, mm. or are good teachers. Start teaching, mm. and then they end up ticking boxes an awful lot of the time, yeah. which can bring anybody down. Mm-hmm. I want you to, as we're talking about uh, erotic adventures mm. and uh, the stuff that you, you know, maybe dream about or read about mm-hmm. the uh, the several hour orgies, those nights when you just can't stop fucking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did I do at the weekend? Oh. How did I intrude on your sex life we, uh, differently than I normally do? Just by a, being in your head
0: the whole time? Well, we'd had a lovely evening. It had been, um. I you think mean a, you and. Uh, Nicky and I. We'd had right. some friends over. Jane and, Jane and Steve. We always had Jane and Steve over. It was very nice. They always excite me. <laughs> yes. Um, that, that wasn't it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, um. Yeah, it, it'd been a while since Nikki and I. Maybe a, a week and a half, two weeks since we last. Um. Uh, last I'd say it's just because my libido is shot to shit uh, as I've as I've spoken about. So um, it's very unusual these days for me to be particularly libidinous of an evening. Normally I will take my tablet and within an hour or so I'm asleep and that's all there is to it. We tend not to, but you know Nikki and I were. I think actually Nikki wasn't feeling very well. I was feeling quite amorous, so we were you know kissing and the cuddling and sort of there was some uh, some action going on and, and I was I was in the moment. It was very nice. And it was must have been about quarter to one in the morning, so, you know, you realistically you think we're well, not gonna get disturbed. Scarlett's long asleep. No interruptions. My phone started buzzing. And as I got an iPhone, as you know, if you get a message it will then a few minutes later it buzz again to remind you. That, so, as you know I think was for the listener. I did not know that. The um the the, the first buzz Kind of broke my stride. The second buzz—that was it. It was, and so by by the time I would read your text, it's, it's basically I had that horrible deflated feeling of I was really in the moment. I was feeling really sexy. <laughs> where was your you like.
1: Where was your phone?
0: Uh, it was on my bedside table.
1: So you just you reached out uh, after you but, didn't disengage.
0: No, yeah. By the time I read it, everything had finished, and I in a flood of apologies, uh, and it was you. Does that not normally... Why, I
1: mean, I find that normally happens anyway. What? The, the, the finishing in a flood of apologies. Oh, well, yeah.
0: So, yeah, and it was you. So, basically, yeah, you were... It's Nickus Interruptus. You stopped. I think that's... I still, I, I still haven't... I, it, so, I'm quite backed up at this point, and it's your fault. I'm very sorry, but in my defence... Seriously, caught at one in the morning. Who texts anything other than an emergency at quarter to one, and and I'm thinking, I'm worrying, the whole time, I'm worrying about who it could be, what's it going to be about, um, Nick and Amy have asked us if, uh, Amy goes into labour, would, would we look after Noah, and I'm like, well he probably wouldn't text, but you never know, oh god, it could be that, and so I couldn't think about anything else other than my fucking phone, and Nick basically apologising for, um, uh, not, not, um, making a big deal of my birthday, although they very generously gave me an Amazon gift card, which uh, I spent almost immediately. It was great. But apologising for... And would we like to come round and have Sunday lunch at their house when they move, eventually? Fuck, thanks for that. I mean, it's such a sweet sentiment, but I hated you so much in that moment. So
1: you thought that someone might have died or it might have been an emergency. Yeah. But you you didn't pick it up. When the first... No, because I was trying
0: to put it out of my head, because I was enjoying um, Nicola touching my penis. So, but I mean... (laughs) So you were worried, but you weren't that worried. No, I was enjoying having my penis touched, to be honest with you. And uh, the the worry started to increase after the first... After the first pass, and the second one was like, I can't block this out of my head. I have (laughs) to look at it. It could be important. Fucking... Would you like would you like to come round to tea when we eventually move in a month or so's time? That couldn't have waited. Well,
1: in my defence, yeah, it was half one. I know that you've been up an mm. awful lot, mm. but I I was up then as well. I wasn't long afterwards. <laughs> I, uh, I I figured I could reasonably assume mm. that one of two things would happen because yeah. I, to be honest. Mm. Uh, we've been thinking a lot about the house move. We haven't been thinking mm. that, like, everything's in place for the mm. birth. So, I wasn't thinking yeah. that much about that. And my house was very quiet. Amy had gone mm. to bed some hours before. Yeah. Um, because I know, because she like likes to, she ends up getting quite tired mm. around 10 o'clock. So... Like a normal person.
0: Like Nicola, I think, usually. And me. I'm in bed before Nicola most yeah. days.
1: So, I texted... Assuming that your phone would
0: be either switched off or you'd be asleep. I never switch my phone off, especially when we've promised to be somebody's uh, somebody's go-to if their wife... Labour
1: babysitters. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and also... Um, Not that
0: we're taking that, resp- that that responsibility seriously. Fucking hell, honestly.
1: I uh, also, I mean, I, I probably would have phoned. It, it just... I,
0: I, I'm sure you would, but unfortunately, um, you know, in that moment... You were thinking. No, yeah. I know. Your your brain yeah. would have been. I, I wasn't thinking, oh this is really lovely having my penis touched. I'm really enjoying this. I'm in a erotic heaven. I was thinking, Who's that? Oh God, what's that?
1: I think uh uh the right, so yes, I'm very sorry. But I, I assume think you are. I assumed at one thirty that one of two things would happen, that either you'd be asleep mm. <laughs> and so you'd get the yeah. you'd get the text in the morning, but I was thinking about sending it right then. Yeah. Or that you would be doing a model or something because of your insomnia, which I know you're taking tablets for. Mm. Uh, but I, you know... Um,
0: I never do model building late at night. When I'm for,
1: or, or something, or watching mm. Getting Dug With High or, or something like oh, that. I love like Getting that. Dug With I know high you do. I'm I know really you, like you that, do. Yeah. See, I know you do. Yeah. So I assumed that if you were up, mm. that you that it would just be you who was up. Oh,
0: it was sexy times and you interrupted yeah.
1: it. Uh, admittedly, because uh, I don't go into as much detail mm. about, about this... Um, because I think there's a sort of a... The fact that your wife listens to this and has done since the very mm. beginning means there's a sort of a tacit approval of you talking about this stuff. But my wife doesn't... she
0: minds. We're, we're, we're grown-ups, and I think, you know, we've got a child. Most people are assumed that we have sex occasionally. Yeah. And we do, and I like it very much.
1: Uh, uh, my wife doesn't listen to this, mm. and and so there's no tacit approval... So t- there's you no tacit consent.
0: If I find out that you'd already had sex that evening,
1: no, no, I'd uh, be very the, I mean, cross. We've been we've been very busy and very tired. Yeah, and um,
0: this doesn't normally happen. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: no, but but so uh, but yesterday, yeah. uh, there was there was some sex. Oh, good. i bully for you. Our friend uh, our friend Oki. I
0: hope I hope for you it was an underwhelming orgasm. Uh, no, it was great. Our Bonnet. friend,
1: uh, our friend Oki has a has a key to our house, mm-hmm. um, and there was no reason yeah. why she'd have been coming over. She was mm. on a date. Mm. Uh, she was on a date yesterday, so we were waiting vaguely. We thing. haven't got
0: a key, and we haven't been like, babysitting. No, that's nice. No, but that's a relatively
1: recent thing. Mm. Whereas, um, whereas she's been our go to person for like looking after the dogs and stuff for a long time. After our dogs, after our dogs ruined ruined any chance of you doing that again by yeah. being horrible they
0: were a nightmare
1: but so um, so uh so anyway so she was on a date and we we were waiting on a text to see how that had gone or mm. amy was but um but but you know there was no reason why she'd have been coming round. Mm. uh but she does have a key and midway through the sexy times i don't think amy really even noticed mm. this uh midway through I heard what sounded like, I think it was next door's door, but I heard what sounded like our door going Mm. and someone coming in
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and the dogs getting excited Mm. and then stopping the way they... You know, interestingly, I didn't assume for a minute that it was a murder or anything. I just thought that maybe Oki had come round. And it didn't occur to me for a minute to stop at all. (laughs) It just... So so, uh, we went on for another 30 seconds and that was plenty. Good. but so that was kind of in the
0: back of my head. I finished. But. I told her that's all there is for the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to step out of the room so you can finish?
1: So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really sorry. I am really sorry. It's yeah. just that I'm uh, I'm in performance mode, yeah. and uh, and therefore I'm finding this all hilarious.
0: I, I, to be fair, it's probably hard for you to be gen- like genuinely sorry because there was no ill intent. There was only good will and sweetness in- intended with that text so actually if anything i felt bad for how angry and even you then I, even then i wasn't angry because just like my my libido is so low at the moment it's like if it doesn't happen it's, oh, so what <laughs> i don't care I, um... I don't need to feel good anymore i'm 40
1: <laughs> i uh have you uh been following the murder dog story
0: the what the murder dog Oh, the Crofts dog. Murder which, dog.
1: Which is one of those tragic stories. Mm. But I went to the workshop today, which is the shop at work. It's not a
0: workshop. Yes. To answer your question.
1: And, uh, and that's where I get all of my news of what the papers are covering. Yeah. And... I was feeling quite, I, I mean, Crufts is, I feel conflicted about Crufts, and I understand that most of that is based on what it used to be like rather than what it's like now. I,
0: I'm very much of the impression that the Kennel Club has sorted his shit out in terms of breed standards, not creating weird mutant dogs that can't live happy and full lives.
1: Or huge culls. Yeah. Which which mm-hmm. I know used
0: to happen yeah. a, a lot as well. Um
1: But I still feel a little bit conflicted about Crufts. But I was still sad when I heard about the dog that got killed Mm. by – apparently by poison in meat. Mm. Um, And the tabloids managed to make me – so I thought that was quite bad. Yeah. And then all of the papers are leading with – murder dog was mm. murdered and using the word murder yeah, suddenly I feel like maybe oh, come on guys maybe you're overstating it a little yeah,
0: bit yeah I think I think the, the headline suspected murder at Crufts yeah. is probably less sexy than murder at Crufts
1: well or I mean it suggests to me that a, a trainer or an owner was murdered yeah, that's true. I'm sure there's another word f- we mm. use for it when a dog... I mean, it's not like the papers give this much of a shit mm. with all of the other animals that are being... Or, or, or yeah. even all of the other dogs that are being treated. Cow
0: killed for beef burger
1: shock. If we're covering uh, if we're covering dog killings mm. uh, as murder yeah. now, then really the papers, if they really care about mm. dog deaths, yeah. I think they need to be covering all murders... As all dog deaths as or, a, or
0: a, animal, I I um I might have a story for them. Um, we went out on Saturday. had a lovely day out with my uh, family. We went to, went to various, various the fam, yeah. Went to various places, but we were coming down a, a road called Burgess Road in Southampton, which is um one of these large linking roads that you have in in major cities. And uh, we were stuck in some traffic. Just it's very out, busy road. Yep, yeah, just outside an Old People's Home. Um, that's opposite the Common. Uh huh. Saddam to Cobb and a very large um, piece of uh, open ground in, in Saddam. Lar- largest open green space outside London and south of England. That is amazing. Um, it's very nice. You live very close to it at the moment, don't you? Um, and, at the moment. And I, I looked I looked to my uh, right and I uh, saw on the pavement a, a dead squirrel. Looked like had some blood coming out from its head and it was in such a pose that would lead you to believe that it hauled itself off of the road. Hauled itself off of the road, just got onto the He's just doing... gone to the just got onto the pavement in the hope of getting into some cover. There were some bushes nearby, but just the effort was too much and it died died on the road there I think the police should be investigating the brutal bastard that killed that squirrel
1: The thing is I mean I appreciate the point you're making, and that is a very sad story. Listener, C- he did physical actions and stuff while he was t- telling that uh, story I'm sorry as well. to
0: interrupt you is it ironic that my wife has interrupted my um, interrupted my focus on the podcast by what's texting me. She,
1: what's she texting you about? Let's
0: find out. Shall we? Sorry, it's, this is exactly this is exactly what happened the other night when I was having sex. Only the uh, only the other way around. She says, "Hey, baby, are you having a good day? Kiss, kiss."
1: Oh, she's interrupting our podcast mm. with uh, foreplay. Yep. I've decided that's foreplay. Tenderness apparently is foreplay. (laughs) Maybe I need reprogramming. I don't know.
0: Um, So I'm I'm replying to you. uh, Not bad. Doing the pod right now, so I read out your text.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the only problem with treating every animal death as murder Mm. is that that like squirrels. It's not like they're tracked. If a squirrel disappeared, I mean that one is obvious because it died in a very public place. But uh, but. But if if a bunch of squirrels suddenly disappeared or something, mm. we'd never know about it. It's not like the, the police could cover it because they're just – they're not – we don't know their numbers. We don't – they don't have re- – they're not registered. They're not licensed. But why
0: limit murder to dogs? I mean, as Morrissey said, you know, killing killing for no reason is murder, meat is murder, with his uh, absolutely pinpoint 50-50 logic, 50-50 vision, sorry – I realize now as well it's twenty twenty vision, yeah, did you say fifty a fifty fifty vision that's even better fucking Morrissey man, he that's, doesn't care about that's thirty that's thirty better
1: all of the uh, all of the cantankerous and potentially argumentative or problematic stuff i probably say online, and it seems to have been not really caring that not even disliking, not really caring that much about Morrissey and the Smiths on Facebook, is the one that got me hate mail. And I say hate mail, it's from people I know.
0: Johnny miles was my favourite part of the Smiths anyway, really.
1: Was he the one who was in Electronic? Yes. See, I liked them. Mm. I uh, I like Morrissey's songwriting fine, but I don't like his delivery. So it's kind of, uh, uh, I, I didn't respond to it at the time which is interesting because in the sixth form really I was quite depressive but his music seemed his his delivery seemed a bit mm. depressive yeah well it is and I couldn't be asked with it no so uh but then I heard on the craft soundtrack they did uh there's a cover version of how soon is now which is much more american po- american indie well i i and yeah, i liked yeah. it
0: i got into uh, how soon is now by uh i really enjoying the uh, the hit by Soho, Hippie Chick.
1: Oh, yeah, because it, it makes use it's of sampled, the guitar. It sampled
0: the guitar. Yeah.
1: Which is Johnny Marr. Yeah. It's great. It's down, ka, down, ka, down, 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 down. Yeah, pretty much. Down, ka, down, ka, down, 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 down. Ain't no doodly yeah, You hippie chick. Hip, hip, hip. Hip, hip, hip. Hippie Chick. Yeah. Was that that song?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I've been thinking a lot about, because we've been listening to Taylor Swift's album quite a lot, and you mean the, you and your wife? Me and my wife. I'm
0: not keen on Taylor Swift. Uh, uh, Taylor Swift.
1: The, uh, the, Taylor, the most recent Taylor Swift album and the latest Seer album and the latest Childish Gambino album. Mm-hmm. And for all I know, most pop music at the moment seems to be really making a lot of synth-heavy, very 80s, uh, 80s pop-influenced mm. music. And, um, and I quite like it. I have mm. to admit, I kind of dig it. We watched a film called The Guest, which uh, was out last year, but, but makes a lot of use of that sort of music, but in a contemporary setting as well. So there's clearly a thing going on at the moment. Which I hated the music at the time, mm. but I'm I'm kind of into it. It's fine.
0: I like uh, I quite like your Grimes. She's like a bit like that. Who's that? Liam Grimes. No Grimes. She's called Grimes.
1: Grimes. Let me write that down. Spelt G R I um Grimes, but with a Z. Gr- oh. Mm. it's quite modern yeah if I squint it just looks like I've written gorillas yeah with a z on the uh, end yeah right i found gorillas a bit dull but um, but there's a particular I, I keep because I'm listening to this music that the, the, I keep thinking about one hit wonders of the past and trying to I'm trying to circle this one particular band that did one song that I know of that I, I can't recall and it isn't Berlin it isn't take my breath away. Um, it isn't snap with the the power.
0: Well, they had two hits anyway, didn't they? Uh,
1: they did. Serious as cancer. <clears> and rhythm that, as a dancer. No, oh, I'm
0: serious as cancer when I say rhythm. Rhythm as a, a dancer. That was a turbo D. Yeah, I believe.
1: Um, and I'm, I'm zeroing in on it. So when I eventually work out which song this is, listener, was it Lon- James, London like, Boys? I don't, no, it wasn't the London Boys. Uh, I guess. I guess that kind of ties into what we were talking about immediately before we started recording, which yeah. is there's a d- nostalgia music. Yeah. I don't really, I don't. It it creeps me out that Bananarama might perform as their original. Like no, to clarify, we saw a poster mm-hmm. for a local festival thing yeah. that's going on. Admittedly, it's only got Fat Boy Slim as a sort of a retro act
0: but he's not a, he's, he's still and he's still doing he's still his thing mean, look right You're, I assume we're talking about this despite my my absolute resistance talking to you earlier about it but it's weird where's the line between a nostalgia act and a current are the Stones a nostalgia act no you see or are they like a current viable band it's weird
1: I know and it is very weird. And mm. and I totally agree. The thing I've been thinking a lot about is that uh, the the reason the reason it's on my mind is that we've got I think there are two uh like festival event mm. things happening in Southampton and one of them is totally 80s mm-hmm. infused and it's all old mm. comeback acts. I think mm-hmm. it's the difference, I think it's the comeback thing.
0: It's it's like uh, you've got uh Howard Jones and Banana Rama and their ilk.
1: Yeah. So and, and this isn't, it isn't a hard and fast theory. It's just mm. a feeling I have because I, I had an, an immediate amount of resistance when everybody got excited about Kate Bush mm. again, that the few gigs that she did. But, but this is what she does. Mm. She doesn't do anything for years. She has a normal life. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back with something. It's not even really a comeback. It's mm. just that the, she's been
0: here for years. Yeah.
1: It's just the, uh, it's the arc that her, or well, not even the arc it's the line her career's on this is how mm-hmm. she does things the music she has a normal life mm. or and then she comes back with something new and mm. and amazing apparently and everyone um and everyone's enthusiasm seems appropriate then mm-hmm. and then you've got bands like the stones i guess mm-hmm. or um or our friend david would say aha although I haven't been following them, bands that have actually never really stopped.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Although the Stones are kind of different because they'll kind of come out with a a new best of every few Mm -hmm. years and then stick one song on the front of it. And that Mm -hmm. used to be a thing that bands did rarely, Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of the model for some bands to do. Mm -hmm. But when it's it's like... There seems to be this real appetite at the moment for... Mm. Disco acts. The mm-hmm. acts
0: that most of us didn't really like. Well, no, they're more, they're more sort of post-neuromantic, aren't yeah,
1: they? Yeah, yeah. So you'll get the Banana Armas and the Howard Jones, and they haven't been around, and they're not going to do new songs. They're literally going to do the songs that yeah. we hear at, at discos or weddings mm-hmm. or over and over again. And I do not begrudge those people finding a way to make mm. money after all this time being away. For all I know, Howard Jones has been performing the whole time as well.
0: And they probably have. They've they've probably all had careers. We're just not aware of them. But it's
1: what I find perplexing, and I admit I probably begrudge it because I'm kind of on the outside of it because I don't really relate Mm. to it, is the appetite for this stuff. Mm that The the people who used to make music um, have found a way to make money off the stuff they did before. I can't begrudge them Mm. that because that's fame and that's the weirdness of fame and uh, we were talking a, a bit about it uh, before and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Um, but that that seems to be what we want rather than what a lot of people want rather than uh, going after new stuff and finding interesting new <laughs> yeah, stuff. But
0: I, think, I think the market for that nostalgia and the market for new stuff... Uh, there's certainly some crossover, but I think yeah. they're different. I mean, they, they, these nostalgia tours are, are based on, you know, an appetite amongst people our age to go and see. You know, I I was really pleased when the Stone Roses reunited, but ultimately they're living off glories that are, you know, now thirty years, thirty years in the past. They're not. They keep talking about they're producing a new album, but. I find Whether it ever sees a light of day, but you know that was purely fueled by nostalgia. You
1: um, you mentioned Roger Waters, who is an interesting case as yeah. well, because Roger Waters, you saw him do
0: a few years ago. You saw him do the the, uh, wall. the wall at the O2, which was was fantastic.
1: Which aside from aside from the fact that that there's a, there's an oddity, Roger Rod, the the wall was very personal to Roger Waters, <laughs> but also about Sid Barrett, wasn't it? So. No. Was no, it the, the wall No, you're Is thinking it of, "Wish You Were Here" was about. Oh, All right, okay. Yeah. The
0: war was very much about um, Roger Waters' sense of loss because he lost yeah. his father in the war and paranoia.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then, um, I think I think I'd picked up the Sid Barrett thing at some point because I always mm. thought it was at the time that I was listening to it the first mm. time. I thought it was very autobiographical. Yeah, no,
0: showing any crazy diamond from "Wish You Were Here" was the Sid Barrett. thing.
1: So there's the slight oddity of Roger Waters performing that without Pink Floyd, who I think are still good. Have they finally split up, or well, were they still... They,
0: they just don't exist. I mean, Rick Wright, the, the keyboard player, died a few years ago. Right. Um, Dave Gilmore, um, they, well, they released a new album, didn't they, Floyd, last last year. So Oh, I didn't know that. But it was uh, based on uh, work that Rick Wright, I believe, that was done by Rick Wright um, uh, around the time they released The Division Bell. And that was, that was God, 93, 94 maybe they released that. But again,
1: they're kind of an alter, alter band who mm. have a really – their their career as a band is on a really long mm. arc and they bring out – they always brought out
0: – Lots of remastered reissues up, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that.
1: Um, but Roger Waters returning to something that was kind of autobiographical, mm. that was, was autobiographical anyway, that was very much his. Very personal to him, yeah. You can see him doing like – seeing – iterations of that several years Mm. on and seeing how he chooses to perform it and stuff.
0: There's something there. He was very interesting. He was quite self-effacing during certain... He was very candid about how he feels about himself when he wrote that. It was quite interesting certain parts of the gig.
1: Whereas I think with a lot of the the Stock Aitken and Waterman style Mm. revival thing, Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, those weren't songs that were particularly personal to the people mm-hmm. performing them they're personal to the the audience who mm. feels that familiarity but like i mean i don't know who wrote most of Rama's songs but i know that um I, I know that a lot of these bands that they, they they the pop bands their stuff was written by their producers or mm-hmm. or by songwriters behind yeah. the scenes and it's kind of there are there are a couple of different reasons why you go to see live music, aren't there? There's one mm-hmm. one you're interested in seeing an iteration mm-hmm. of um, an iteration of the music by the person who created it, and and in that case, it's interesting if they play album tracks that you haven't heard before, or um, they do an unusual version of something, and you're like, well, that's cool because it's like they're doing not a cover of their own mm-hmm. song, but they're doing an interesting version of their own song. But it it feels like. A lot of what drives people to go to mm-hmm. the big '80s nostalgia concerts and stuff is to literally just hear something, just hear the version of the song that they remember from. It's basically that they're just. It's like it's almost like a holiday camp. This is mm-hmm. so snobbish, but it feels like an almost holiday camp.
0: I know. I know. Yeah, I, think, I think you know there was I mean? something about the pop of that time as well that it was. I mean, I really despise that sort of pop music mm. back in the 80s, so I, I'm naturally resistant to it. You, you hit on a really interesting point about hearing the version. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Frank Turner um, appeared very recently on Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces podcast, which I know David Wynn's a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. But if you want to hear about a really, really interesting, in-depth look at what Life on the Road is, mm-hmm. Is like and the evolution of a song and how that happens from studio to stage. That I really strongly recommend that you listen to um, the Distraction Pieces podcast with uh, Scroobius Pip and yeah. Frank Turner.
1: I mean, I find that stuff fascinating. Mm. And no, I guess really I guess part of my confusion about all of this is that I see it almost as the death of that. I don't. I don't think a lot of the time people want to see uh, it ain't what you do; it's the way that you do it. Uh, done Mm -hmm. with with a slow jazz reinvention of it by Banana. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I do. You mean you do want to hear that? No, I do know what you you,
0: mean. I do not want to hear it either the original version or the – that was Banana Rama with the Fun Boy 3.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. So, I mean, and and so it seems to me that all the only – you're either going to hear the song exactly as you remember it, Mm. in which case you might as well just break out the now 80s hits album, Mm -hmm or you're going to see a deteriorated version of it by people who haven't been performing or whose voices are going or whatever. Is
0: your issue... Is your issue... This is really, I think, listening to you, it's about your... How much artistic merit you think they had to start with. Now... Maybe in some cases. I, I don't know. Like, um, I like, I like Rush a lot. Uh, the prog rock... And they're still contemporary. They're still making stuff. But if I go and see Rush Live, I know that one of the things that they do is they, they pride themselves on being able to keep the sound correct. You know, you're, one of the things. Identical. If, uh, yeah, yeah, to the, kind of. It's, it's one of the things, you know, you'll go there and you'll, obviously they're a power trio. And you'll be listening to Neil Peart's drumming to see if he's getting these very precise, um, drum, um, drum hits or drum strikes correct and so forth, so. That's a band that I'd sort of I'd expect to see a, a really precise rendition of the the song I heard on the album. Whereas um, other bands I've been to see, like I, I'm trying to think of an example now, but sort of more indie bands, I I quite like a loose sort of feel to the song, like a twenty
1: minute version mm. of
0: Falls Gold by. Um, I don't think they ever... Uh, maybe they played it live recently. But obviously, they didn't get played live, did it, originally?
1: Oh, I don't know, actually. I, so. I just I just think that's the sort of song that uh, any opportunity to I'd make quite, it longer, they'd probably go for. I'd
0: quite happily listen to John Squire noodling on that for 20 yeah, yeah. minutes. Yeah, but I it. so.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, part of it maybe sounds like I'm talking about credibility, mm. and that's definitely folded into it. But, I, I mean, I don't think I was... The pop music I liked... And as you said, I guess a lot mm. of it was off the back of the mu- movement, the much less mm. poppy movement of uh, New Romantic or whatever that was yeah. going on there. Like, I didn't... I I still think about the 12-inch uh, version of China in Your Hand by Tapau on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I listen to that a lot. Um, and yet I don't have the urge to see Carol Decker and Tapao no. performing it now because I feel like maybe they haven't been around... It had its time, yeah. And uh, and if she can, and, and I do not begrudge. Car- I love Carol Decker. I do not begrudge her making a bit of cash, but I just don't get it. See, if
0: I, it, I, I'm really cautious about this because I, I, I kind of distrust all this. But the reason I distrust it is that sort of mainstream populist music was listened to by the kids that I hated at school because yeah. they kicked the shit out of me. Which gives me a sort of distrust of these mass populist um, cultural keystones, mm-hmm. because when I hear that music, it reminds me of a time and a place that I was sat on the outside of. Yeah, I get that. So actually, if anything, I suppose what it's chipping into is the reason that I don't like it is because it rekindles sort of feelings of isolation that I had when I was. I was younger, so I don't I, I don't know if there's a similar dynamic with you. So I, I don't have a problem with seventies revival, sixty revivals. I'd quite happily go to like a sixties pop music revival. I like lots of pop of the sixties. But the pop of the eighties I hate with a burning passion for the most part. I I think it's
1: more because I don't think I don't think I'd feel like this about a band that did covers of mm. music or even like a tribute band mm. for things it's but then just he's gonna
0: turn up to a concert where people are playing howard jones hits <laughs> I, it's it's the whole thing like, i think it's, it's it has to be performed by them doesn't it yeah well i because I mean, it's so paper thin and and, and lightweight the, the the art they created maybe i think i think that's what confused me i don't mm. i just don't
1: get it mm. and there's a uh, the 80s were kind of a weird era anyway mm. i think um i recently was thinking and we haven't got time to talk about it today but i'd like to talk about it at some point the uh it's occurred to me recently that a lot of what looked like a continuation mm-hmm. of careers of people from the 60s and 70s yeah. in the 80s mm-hmm. were actually comebacks then there were a lot yeah. of comebacks then diana ross chain reaction i think was a mm-hmm. long time after yeah. she'd been cult culturally popular mm-hmm. or had had stuff around uh david bowie and mick jagger dancing in the st- All of those things. Travelling
0: Wilburys? Roy Orbison yeah, had been in back. the wilderness for a long time.
1: We watched um, we watched quite a lot of the uh, Roy Orbison uh, tri- like tribute performance or something okay. where he was playing with Bruce Springsteen and last time I was at uh, the in-laws. Okay. And it was
0: really impressive. My father was a big Roy Orbison fan.
1: It, it's very, very impressive and the roster mm-hmm. of people there was very impressive and I did enjoy the music while at the same time, and I guess this is one of the things that that Amy might like me to switch off on, uh, while at the same time noticing how very white all of the performers were. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the thing. But that's besides the point. But um, but they'd already stolen all the music off the black people, yeah. so they didn't need to let them in, did they?
1: But um, that actually, I can't remember what that what that uh uh film or performance is called but it is really impressive and it's all shot in black and white and it's it's very beautiful Mm -hmm. so lots of odd performers there elvis costello in the background Mm. holding an awful lot of it together um it's good um but i just i just don't think i understand what i've got a vague understanding of what makes people famous and continue to be famous but i don't understand what people are getting out of it the mm. audience mm. the people around us who are like desperate to pay 20 quid to go and see yeah go and see this stuff but then they I obviously experience
0: the 80s differently from us yeah maybe i mean i don't think our experience of that era was I, I i suspect it wasn't the mainstream way of experiencing the 80s are shit and they were full of misery so fuck the yeah.
1: 80s um, things I don't have. I've, uh, we talked about Murder Dog. Couldn't really work out, uh, what well, I've written tic tacs down, but mm-hmm. we didn't really have anything to say about those beyond that we're eating them again this week. They're very nice. Uh, I like tic tacs. Uh, very quickly. Probably the sort of thing that we normally could pin a whole mm-hmm. uh, episode around, uh, but we don't have time to. But I just wanted to mention for the first time, and this is a really weird experience. Um, I was in the cubicle, the mm-hmm. toilet cubicle at work, sitting down. Yeah. Uh, not weeing, mm. and uh, I heard the sounds of a cleaner uh, cleaning the toilet next mm-hmm. to me, and uh, suddenly felt a lot of pressure to not leave any mess. It it was very weird. I felt under a lot of pressure not to make that person's life
0: more difficult. I, I think I think everyone should always feel under pressure to not leave a mess. Yeah, I mean, I don't leave a mess. Mm.
1: But I was very, I was suddenly very aware, very, very poo aware. If
0: you're the sort of person who has a poo and doesn't use a toilet brush, if you uh, adhere to the ceramic, you are the scum of the earth. I don't think they have toilet brushes in public toilets.
1: Many do. Oh, okay. Um, Listener. You can listen to all of our past episodes at twogrownmen.net. That's uh, two, the number two, grownmen.net. You can <laughs> – the number two. I didn't even mean to mm. do that. The, uh, you can hear more about my particular experience mm. of uh, my confusion uh, at what porn is teaching young men uh on the extended beginning of uh, a recent episode we have issues with Mm. jesse that was the subject it is an interesting subject it It does seem to be changing expectations a little bit yeah i think so. a certain sort of porn definitely is i definitely
0: don't uh, Um, let's not go back in there
1: no no um you can let's not go back in the facial uh uh almost
0: come on you can do it thing um You tried. I think that was a a throw and a miss, wasn't it? Yeah, it was.
1: You can also uh, listen to all of our episodes and subscribe to our episodes at your podcatcher of choice. Mm. Just look for Two Grown Men. You'll find us. Um, I'm still using Pocket Casts for all of that stuff, but you can use whatever you want to. You can talk to James on Twitter at...
0: Uh, James, M-O-M-B, James Mom. And And come and look at my new Twitter avatar. It's a picture of me sat in a BSG Viper... Giving a thumbs up that um uh, lovely Steve Bishop did for me for my birthday. I, it's strange that I've never had a birthday where I think just about my favourite thing I got was a birthday card.
1: <laughs> uh we didn't we didn't talk about your birthday this week. Yeah, um, I it was it was my instinct that mm. maybe we should leave it a few weeks. It was pleasant and uneventful. Okay, good. Um so yeah, you can uh you can get in contact with us on Twitter. I'm Nick Sight. James is James Mom. Mm. I'm Nick Site. And there is a uh two GM pod mm. Twitter account as well where mm-hmm. you can get updates and uh updates about new episodes. We've got a Facebook page. You can email us at uh two gm podcast at Um I the eighties thing, mm. I feel like I come across a bit of a snob. I do have a question for the listener and for you James, which we will close out the episode on, I think, because mm-hmm. it's a bit of a puzzler um I I have found in all of my various tidy ups and culs of mm. stuff that I am unable to let go of two particular uh pin up pages from LookIn from the eighties. One of uh Tiffany I think we're alone now Tiffany mm-hmm. uh in a jumper and, and I guess pop socks. Yeah. And I mean I think she's maybe a, a couple of years older than me. Mm -hmm. In reality she's a couple of years older than me Um, At the time she would have been about 18? Uh, Maybe And there's another picture of her again in a jumper Mm -hmm. Now I think I already liked Redheads Mm -hmm. at this point I don't know where my jumper fetish Came from and it might have been this point I've not been able to get rid of those Mm -hmm. uh, Pictures I no longer have The same relationship with those two pictures That I did at the time (laughs) But is it weird that, that I haven't I mean, they're still so beautiful. But I am conscious that I'm a forty one year old man mm-hmm. looking at what, an eighteen year old yeah, starlet. If that. Um and I also haven't been able to get rid of my melon Kim poster magazine <laughs> thing. <laughs> so um if there's anyone with a psychology degree out there or just opinions, I'd be interested to, to hear what that means.
0: Email us at uh, OperationUtree.com <laughs> That's your
1: U-Tree reference, yeah. and we're out. Bye bye. Um, can you move the move the mic down? No, I, I
0: like I like how this sounds.
1: For some for some reason, I'm getting loads of popping, and I know that it's not you. I'm not popping. I know that it's not you, and it's I know that it's, it's the mics in this fucking studio, it's, it's which is you. why I didn't want this studio. I think you're imagining it. I'm looking at it on the screen. Yeah, but you can't hear it.
0: You can, you can when you listen. Anyway. I don't think you know. I think you hate this room so much that you're imagining things. Now, you're creating problems that aren't there, It. The... I don't like the atmosphere in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're imagining things. Always.